episode four of Principal Conversation. My co-host, Sean Pitts. Hi, Amy. Hi, and I'm Amy Soki. And we are going to be talking to Sarah Porritt today. And she gave a presentation to the AAF Fox River Ad Club last week on breaking the ice in diversity and inclusion. Now, Sarah is the chief diversity and inclusion officer for Omnicon Media Group in New York. So that's fascinating. We're excited to see what she has to say. She is also the podcast host of Hear Us Roar. Very exciting. I listened to some of that today. Oh, nice. Yeah. So let's see if we can get Sarah online and chat with her about diversity and inclusion. Sarah, are you there? Yep, I'm right here. And curious, what episode did you listen to? <laughs> um, it was the latest one. Um, oh, so okay. We, we had it on in the photo studio where I, I own and operate, and we were doing a, a food photography shoot. So... It was it was really hard because we were um, shooting waffle cones with <laughs> buffalo chicken, and then we had like these voices on in the background. So I, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't really like pay attention. I'm I'm gonna go back tonight um, when I get in the car <laughs> and I get into my place, my space, and I can listen to podcasts in my car tonight. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back because it, it did sound super interesting. And, and Oh, good, good, good. Because my audience is primarily Asian-American women, you know, but Sean, I, I think that universally storylines of success, especially, you know, storylines of success that maybe don't conform to what we typically think of as the straight and narrow journey, um, you know, to me is really, really powerful. So I'm totally joking with you, by the way. Oh, I, I know. mean, it, it yeah. is, but <laughs> I'm glad that you like it. It, it sounded great, and and I appreciate um, Sarah is helping us with our uh, yeah she's podcast. She's, she's hooking us up with some new tips software and tricks, and yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, episode it's a community. four from here on out, things are going to get better. Yeah. So appreciate that. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> of course, anytime. We're a community, so you know. Any way I can continue to help you out, I'm here for you. Um, might as well, you know, help each other through the growing pains. Yeah. Thank you. So, Sarah, last week in your presentation to the Fox River Ad Club, uh, you dove into diversity and inclusion. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what does diversity look, feel, and sound like? Yeah, so a little bit um, about my background. I was actually an R&B singer for 15 years of my life. In case you you were wondering why I went into diversity, um, I fell in love with very soulful music, decided to go into this space even though no one looked like me. And if you think about it right now, right, there's still rarely would you ever see an Asian American R&B singer. I, I didn't realize at that time that I was becoming an activist as much as I was becoming an artist. And I think that's really when the interest in diversity, in allowing voices that aren't typically heard in a certain space, marginalize individuals, really to allow those individuals to feel like they belong, that they have a platform, that they're a part of something larger. And so my job right now in corporate diversity is to ensure that not only are there a diverse set of people, um, and we, we can talk about all the different facets of diversity, um, but that they feel like they are included, that they belong, and that there's a level of equity in threading through all of that as well. So um, 
diversity, I think, to me, is a celebration of all of the ways that we're different, right? And that could mean a whole slew of things. And that's literally the universe of characteristics. So it can be everything from your race, your age, your personality, your experiences, your beliefs. Um, and there are certain certain elements of diversity that are intrinsic to who we are, things that we're quote unquote born with, like, um, you know, things like our, our race or our gender. And then there's things that are acquired components of diversity, like our life experiences and skill sets. So um, I think to me, diversity probably belongs more under the look piece of it, even though I know within my presentation, I talked about how diversity looks, feels and sounds. Um, but in a corporate setting, for instance, it's it's really being able to embrace our ethnic cultural differences, for instance, um, having a very racially diverse organization where people, um, you know, have this level of acceptance um, of the different beliefs that we have and this embrace of, of the different um, points of view that we all bring to the table. It could look, feel, sound like gender diversity, making sure that you're accommodating and embracing people who are differently abled, respect, acceptance of differences. I mean, these are all very human things, right? It sounds like this is this is just a, a, a tribe of humans coming together with different perspectives and, and feeling embraced within this this warm hug, if you will, that that falls under this category of diversity and inclusion. Yeah, one of the points you mentioned was having open and transparent communication. Can you um, describe or give us examples of how workplaces should um, offer transparency and those that do and those that aren't? Yeah, so I think that really it, it falls into diversity, but also kind of inclusion, um, you know, Everyone wants to work at an organization where they feel like they're being communicated to, that where they understand where the leadership is coming from, where they're headed, and that they know what's going on. Um, and I think that there's a level of transparency that allows you to feel like you belong in the organization, allows you to feel like you have an impact in the future of the organization. But also, I think transparency is a two-way street, you know, um, for this feeling of being able to, as a an employee, communicate openly and frankly, and express your feelings to your team, to your you know colleagues, to your leadership, um, but other way around that where where the employees feel like the leaders within the organization are being as transparent, frank, personable, and 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 connecting with um, all of us on a human to human level as much as possible. Uh, to me, this communications piece is really really. Um, um, incredible, just that one little tool, um, but it's it's wholly encompassing of both diversity as well as inclusion and even equity in some sense as well. Yeah, I guess from my past experiences, I've always had a situation where there was a new hire that came on board and everyone in the office was like, we didn't know you were hiring for a new position. Here's new guy. And now I'm supposed to train him and you're kind of caught off guard. So have you seen that happen? And how can employers get better at being transparent? Just be human. <laughs> you know, would you do that to your friend or, or your family? Um, I, I mean, 
I've had many colleagues that were caught in similar situations where their team members were moved to another team um, or they brought in someone new to fill an open role and they didn't have any say in it. And like, what, what does that say to you, right? Like my opinion doesn't count. Uh, it doesn't matter how I feel. Um, I'm just expected to do a job. And <laughs> we spend too much time, all of us at work to just do a job in a function. And no one wants to live like that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Sean? Any, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like the, you got to be part of the team and you got to lead yes. with a team. And, and, and as a team leader, mm-hmm. you know, and at the photo studio here, um, it's it's leading down the chain of command. And I know, Amy, you and I were talking about earlier um, having the confidence to lead up the chain of command. And, and you might have a question for Sarah about, like, how do you approach right. your boss? or somebody in a leadership position to lead up the chain of command and get, get out there and uh, get your point across, but tactfully and, you know. Right. Yeah, like Sarah, I guess, as a part of the inclusion um, where you s- spoke to the part where you should be able to challenge your boss. Well, sometimes I think maybe the employees intimid and they feel that, well, you know what, maybe my opinion doesn't matter anyway, so why should I approach my boss? But Sarah, you have a different take on how leaders and bosses should conduct a way in that they should be challenged, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I honestly, I put more of the onus on the boss (laughs) because the boss in a lot of ways sets the pace for the culture and for the employees and for the types of communications that happen. Um, And so to me, you know, I love when my team challenges me. I like when they share their opinions that are divergent from mine. I like when they tell me, oh, Sarah, that thing that you taught us to do, I can do it better. (laughs) You know, kudos to you. That's great. I want to hear it. And I will literally, you know, emotionally, uh, metaphorically applaud you for doing that. So I do think that the boss plays a huge role in creating this environment of safety, of belonging, of connectivity, of helping the employees feel valued. And I think when you have that open platform, that open line of communications, then it makes it so much easier for the employees. And, you know, uh, like I would love to figure out a way to help uh, empower more entry level um, employees to to raise their voice. But honestly, it's scary. You know, when I first entered the media world, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't feel like I had the right to speak up in certain moments because I felt like I hadn't paid my dues. Um, and so you know, as much as I want to empower those those individuals to to take charge, I think so much of it lays on the boss. Yeah. And do you think from a boss's perspective, are they afraid to be challenged because they might not have the answer? Or why wouldn't a boss welcome someone to challenge them? Um, I'm going to throw that question back oh, to ego. one of you. Yeah, ego. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ego is a really good one. I don't have one. You got to check your <laughs> ego at the door at Studio 44. Um, That's a slogan. I mean, I've I've sometimes had bosses where, and this is understandable, very human, right? Who have a family and just don't want to shake things up, don't want to change any processes. It's too much hassle. So it's like, 
just don't want to deal like with the hassle of change or being challenged. Um, I think it's also fear. It can be fear because, you know, like, who are you? You're below me, quote unquote. You know, who are you to tell me that this can be done differently? Um, if you feel insecure about what you know, how you're conducting business or your position where you are right now, you want to hold on to that power, that seat, you know, then then there may be a level of fear as well. I think it could be a whole slew of things. Nice. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. Um, now moving, and we kind of touched on inclusion. What does inclusion look, feel, and sound like to you? Yeah, so in inclusion, and I, I know we already talked about this a little bit, it's it's creating an environment where everyone feels like their, their, their inherent worth is being recognized, that, you know, we belong to something bigger, that we can, we can be authentic at work um, and really express ourselves openly and freely. So, so what that feels like is, is, is all the things that we want to feel as human beings in a community, you know, to be respected, to be appreciated, um, to be considered a valuable member of your team, uh, to celebrate achievements and shared accomplishments, but also feeling like you can fail and fail together and that you're going to be supported, you know, um, that you're not going to have your finger pointed at. Let's let's figure this out together. Um, feeling comfortable to do that, to 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 say things or do things that maybe are are a little daring or out there um, that can be wrong from time to time, you know, to share your voice without hesitation um, and also to just be self-aware and culturally aware so that you can acknowledge each other in the ways that you need to be acknowledged. Nice. Yeah. So, Sarah, what if we don't have D&I in our workplace today? What are some steps that the leadership team can take to put D&I in its place? Because not everyone can hire um, a practitioner, a yes, an inclusion <laughs> officer like yourself in a smaller agency. But um, what what just name off a few things that could help? Yes. So if you don't have a DNI officer, DNI lead, I think that there's a lot of things that leaders can do. One, which we already talked about, which is com transparent communications, two-way street, make it a feedback loop. Um, there's a lot of examples where compassionate leaders um, can curate the culture of their their community, their workplace with one little thing, which, um, you know, I, I've heard of leaders who will literally just walk around the hallways, strike up a conversation with people. Um, I've heard of leaders who, um, you know, and the, do this on a regular basis. I've heard of leaders who literally reach out to every member of their team, smaller organization, of course, and set up a 15 minute chat with them just once a year. But imagine if you set up a chat with the CEO and you were an assistant just entering the field, not feeling confident. You know, I think there's a lot a leader can can do. So so those are some of the things that you, they can do to connect with their employees. Um, but I think there's also things that they can do to celebrate and embrace differences. Um, you know, when, when there is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, let's say, um, don't just order dumplings, you know? <laughs> um, learn about the history of Asians in America. Bring in a speaker. Um, talk to to, you know, in our industry, Nielsen, who has research on the Asian American consumer, really understand what their needs are, how they're evolving. Um, and I think there's just small things too, like, 
again, being a, a friend, being a family member, checking in on people. You know, there's so much happening within the Asian American community right now um, around anti-Asian crimes and hate um, that so many times the one thing that my colleagues are telling me that they're missing that is easy human connection is how are you doing? <laughs> you know, how are you feeling? How can I support you? Do you need to take the day off? Like some basic, basic stuff that we can all do just to make sure that we're giving each other a warm hug and bringing each other into the community. We talked about that in our first episode um, with the, the mental health and being aware of your coworkers and just being able to have the confidence in, in striking up a conversation in exactly what you just said, Sarah. Like, how are you doing? Like, yes. <laughs> and, 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 and like, check yourself too. I mean, I, I think, well, and for our listeners, uh, you'll be happy to know that I finally did take a freaking vacation. Yes, you did. Uh, <gasps> I just got back two mm-hmm. weeks ago. I was gone for a week. I went to Arizona, did a ton of hiking. Yeah. It was amazing. Good for you. Um, but I, yeah. I'm impressed. That uh, uh, my girlfriend and I, we, we went down there, just had a blast and uh, got to get away from work. It was the first vacation in two and a half years. And uh, everybody, Two please. and a half years? Yes. Stop go, it. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, go take a vacation. Please. <laughs> I feel better. Good, good. I'm actually taking a vacation next week. So the- <laughs> well, where are you going? Yeah, where are you going? Literally just an Airbnb in upstate New York where my husband and I are staying in a yurt. Oh, fun. <laughs> oh wow. Surrounded by trees. It's just, it's going to be nice to get some nature because I live in Times Square. I live in a, you know, a concrete box in the concrete jungle. So we need mm-hmm. some fresh air. Oh, yeah. Go get wonderful. some pine trees. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. And I guess lastly, what I wanted to ask Sarah is you named off a few phrases in the workplace that could be offensive. Like you were saying, you might start a meeting and you say, hey, guys, and then you realize and backtrack and like, well, not everybody's a guy in this meeting and should we be using the word guys? What are some signs and phrases that we should look out for that could be offensive? So I, I, I want to be careful with what I say here because I think that I don't want analysis paralysis like in data analysis, you know, where we, we are just so afraid to have conversations or so afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing that we just don't say anything. And honestly, this this plagues me the most. I'm the DNI person, you know, and I still sometimes say, hey, guys, because it just comes so automatically to me. So I would say first and foremost, intentions are are the bedrock for or, you know, um, how I'm communicating. Uh, I, I try to have a generous interpretation of when people are communicating to me that they're well-intentioned. Um, but I, I do think that language is really important. You know, I, I think guys is probably like the softest <laughs> offender where, sure, it's like a, a, a gender assumption, right? If I'm And I say that even to my girlfriends because it just rolls off the tongue. But there are certain things we may want to evaluate as a culture, um, as an industry. So I'm in the, the, the media and advertising industry and we use terms like um, whitelist or blacklist and white to connote go ahead this is good you can you can you can move forward and black means no this is bad we don't want to run in these spaces so to associate color which is associated with race to 
good and bad, um, I think has implications. And we just want to be thoughtful about our language. I think Graham, um, who's part of the the AAF organization, mentioned master and slave, you know, in the the tech world. Um, I think it's just a good time for us to maybe sit back and reevaluate some of the the things that we we have in our our, our, uh, in our language that that might be conveyed one way or the other might be triggering might have context outside of how we normally use them Um, and you know I was thinking about this the other day like the the microaggression of which which is you know something that is discriminatory but maybe not as obviously um, of telling an Asian American oh you're smart you know you 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 you're really good at math right like that even just a couple years ago, maybe wasn't as offensive, but I think we've started to acknowledge that language is important. St- like being thoughtful with our words and being thoughtful with how we're stereotyping is important. So to me, it's just is being thoughtful, <laughs> but but don't be afraid to speak. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Yeah, um, I, I call my daughter dude sometimes right like, hey, right dude. yeah right. but that's cute that's cute that's okay <laughs> i like it you gotta check your audience too yes you know? yeah yes exactly exactly so any more questions from sean on diversity and inclusion i probably have a lot to learn yeah. i would love <laughs> to talk to you more sarah um but uh i, I mean i don't want to bore our listeners so. <laughs> If anyone's boring the listeners, if anyone's boring the listeners, it's me. And I have a lot to learn, Sean, as well. And I'm so happy that you and Amy brought me on. This is obviously something that's very close to my heart that I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, And it's, you know, it's like being human 101. So (laughs) I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely, I think this subject has become popular in the workplace within Sarah, like how many within the last, what, 10 years? I mean, there were never back in the eighties and nineties, we did not have diversity and inclusion officers. So when, when did this all start evolving and positions uh, were created and people saw a need for diversity inclusion? Can you give us like a timeline? I mean, there have been diversity and inclusion officers 20, 30 years ago, but I would say there's much more of it now. And I hate to say this, right? It's like moments of crisis. In these moments of crisis, when when companies are realizing, oh, crap, (laughs) we have to put someone in here to to figure out how we can be more thoughtful towards how we're responding to to cultural situations and responding to, to, to our employees. That's when diversity professionals get put into place. So um, I think as we're being more thoughtful about race, as we're being more thoughtful about where we're headed as a society, that's when the job really started or that that job field really started to boom. Honestly, the the last year, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we tripled in diversity professionals. Okay. So so yes, a newer a newer role for sure, but it's it's existed for a while. Nice. And what coursework or college prep classes would you take for diversity and inclusion? 
Yeah, I think it really, really depends on your bandwidth. LinkedIn Learning actually has some really amazing diversity courses if you just want to understand how to be a better boss or, you know, how to incorporate diversity um, into your day-to-day as an employee. Certification-wise, you know, places like Yale have um, a 15-hour certification. Cornell, which is the one that I actually took a while back, um, they do an e-certification for two months where you you do five hours a day, uh, not five hours a day, five hours a week, and it gives you a good foundational knowledge of DNI. The rest of it, you kind of have to learn on the job in that case. And then Georgetown has a fantastic diversity and inclusion program. It's six months long, more of a commitment, um, but they they have a excellent curriculum. Wow. Very exciting. Well, great. Um, and, and if our listeners want to uh, subscribe to your podcast or check you out, where can they find you? You know, I'm terrible with self-promotion. So no, I, I, they... I, it's cool. So are we. You're in the, you're in the terrible at self-promotion club. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that, for that, for that platform. So hear us roar, um, spelled just as it sounds. It's, it's on every single major podcasting platform. Um, you can also find me on, on Instagram, um, under her podcast, H U R hear us roar podcast. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Porritt, P O R R I T T no H on the Sarah. And, um, it's just my name on Instagram as well. Okay. Nice. Well, thank you, Sarah. It was really nice meeting you today and, and listening to um, all of your thoughts on diversity and inclusion. Yeah. D&I. We were talking with Sarah Porritt on D&I in the workplace, and we thank you for joining our show. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Bye.